Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 81 of Thrive Deeper. It is I your friendly neighbourhood Santa Claus. That's right, DJ here for this Christmas edition of Thrive Deeper. Now, are we doing anything special for Christmas? No, no, just this, just me saying Merry Christmas to you. This is a regular episode of Thrive Deeper where Matthew and I go through the book of Genesis. This week, we're going through, believe it or not, five chapters. Chapters 23, 24, 25, 26, and 27. We say goodbye to Sarah We say goodbye to Abraham and we get introduced to Isaac's wife, Rebecca, and their two twin sons, Esau and Jacob. This is a huge episode, so much to cover, but I love this part of the Bible. I love these stories, really important stuff. So stay tuned on Thrive Deeper. At the time of this recording... Christmas just around the corner. Mm. What are the uh, the Jacoby Christmas traditions? Uh, uh, we we do the tra- <laughs> we do the uh, my my kids would say presents. So that would be the first uh, thing they they all want their presents. Yeah. If they need anything else. Uh, yeah, we do the Christmas tree. We we we, we do the traditional pretty traditional, traditional. traditional thing. And and up to recently, we've we've done the Christmas stockings, and you know, oh, like yeah. we you know pack the. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, this this year we're actually going up to spend Christmas with my dad and fantastic in, uh, near Byron Bay. Beautiful, mm. beautiful, a beautiful part of the world. And uh, whatever you're doing for Christmas, I hope you're having a great one. Mm. Uh, we're, we're getting into um, you know the, we're finishing up the story of Abraham here mm. in this episode, which is an unusual thing to be doing <laughs> around Christmas. I mean, that's that's the way that it falls. Yeah. But uh, you know, bear with us because I still think there's going to be some lessons that will emerge out of this, some principles that will emerge out of this that will impact our Christmas as we as we celebrate together. Yeah, perhaps people can think about where Genesis is reflected in the Christmas story. Now, well, there's, there's an there's interesting line of reflection, homework. <laughs> there's some homework for you yeah. there. Now, we, we finished off uh, last week in episode 80 with, uh, you know, in chapter uh, 22, um, we've got, uh, you know, Abraham's faith has been tested. And then at the very end of that, we hear this weird little news story, like on the wire, that and and there's a point to this. It's lovely little seeding of of the yeah. story here. That back home in Abraham's kin, uh, yeah. back in the land of Uz, uh, yeah. uh, there has been uh, you know lots of descendants. There's you know children being born. There's wonderful yeah. people. There's uncles and aunts and lovely nieces and nephews. Like like this girl Rebecca and blah 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 yeah, blah, yeah. blah 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 blah. You know we get this little report there at the yeah. end. That's um, right. Because of course Rebecca's going to come back into yes, the story in a moment. So exactly, everything's connected. It's this is how she's connected. Yeah. That's it. There's a point there. So we we kick off uh, chapter twenty three. Um, you know, sometime later, Sarah is 127 years old, unbelievable age, and she passes away. She dies. Mm. Uh, in a place called uh, which which is now called Hebron, there in the land of Canaan, Abraham is mourns for her, and then this is the interesting part. We get the rest of the chapter about a land deal between <laughs> Abraham yeah. and the men of the land. Yeah, you know? and, and again, reading this in the light of the the broader kind of themes of uh, the Pentateuch, and when I refer to the Pentateuch, it's I'm referring to the first five books of the Bible, which sort of stand together as a block. Yes. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those five books of the Bible, which were really the Bible for, uh, you know, for a lot of the, you know, through the time of the kings and yes. arguably uh, through the time of the kings and beyond. Um, and during even Jesus' time, mm. for example, for the priestly class, the Sadducees, that was still the only Bible that they acknowledged yeah. was the Pentateuch. 
So certainly the Pentateuch sits together as a block. And in, the, in one of the big themes, of course, in the Pentateuch is the promise of the land. Now, I've yes. already seen this in Genesis 15. Uh, God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. Mm-hmm. Um, so Abraham doesn't want this land to be given to him by the inhabitants of the land. Uh, he's actually going to really preemptively purchase this land. I mean, he's, he's being offered it. Here, I'll give it to you. Uh, he wants to use, you know, what God has given him yes. to purchase this land. And so this becomes, in a way, it's like a preempting. It's like the first footprint uh, in, in the land. And it's, it's a burial place. And, and that's significant because um, where you bury your family yes. uh, really is your home. In a sense, it's yeah. it's 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 a it's important. Um, so, for example, Joseph, when we'll see at the end of uh, this book of yes. Genesis, Joseph doesn't want to be buried in Egypt. He wants to be buried in the promised land, and, and so land. where you get buried is kind of important for yeah. uh, for these people. Exactly, exactly, and it's very symbolic here. I mean, Abraham sitting down with the Hittite people, establishing this friendship. Yeah. He's obviously very honoured. They love Abraham. They want to give him the land. He's he's marked out a place that he wants. He wants to buy it. There's a back and forth there, back and forth there, but it's very symbolic because this is the mother of the promise. Yeah, you know, of yeah. the promised, yeah. uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, son of whom the descendants come out. Where are we putting the the mother of this new, uh, you know, this new people? And it is going to be placed into the land of Canaan here. That's right, and of course, Abram's going to be buried here as well. Yeah, uh, later yeah. On. yeah. So it's a it's a it's an interesting story there as we wrap up chapter twenty three, and we move into one of the one of my favorite favorite stories growing up is Genesis 24, yeah. where we have Abraham as an incredibly old man, Isaac as a young man, uh, ready for you know marrying, marrying age, and he takes his oldest servant, who I always read, I don't know if it was because of a picture book or because of other uh-huh. stuff, Eliezer. Yeah. Uh, we get the you know his servant Eliezer that we don't hear about for you know many chapters, yeah. but Eliezer is mentioned in chapter fifteen. Yeah. Uh, Eliezer from Damascus. We imagine that he takes you know his trusted right hand man Eliezer yeah. and says, "Listen, go find a wife for my son amongst my people." And uh, we've already heard just a chapter ago that there's lots of be- you know there's lots of good people being born over there. So yeah. um, you know let's yeah. let's go find a wife for Isaac. It's a, it's a touching story, isn't it? Yeah. It, with, and it's interesting the amount of detail that it's given. It's quite a long chapter about uh, a wife for Isaac. And you think, why is this given? This is always it's good to ask these questions. Um, there's never a nice story because it's a nice story. Yes. The, the question is why. <laughs> Why is this given the space that it is? And again, in the context of the Pentateuch, one of the key themes or warnings uh, throughout the Pentateuch, particularly in the law of Moses, anticipating entering into this land, is don't intermarry with the people of the land. Mm. Uh, don't intermar- intermarry with the people of the land. Uh, and, and so uh, Israelites were to marry Israelites. This is a way of them at this point, you know, keeping themselves uh, pure and holy and because, you know, intermarriage would mean uh, kind of religious syncretism as well. And so this uh, prohibition against intermarriage is a really, really strong and in some, in many ways vindicated in, in the book of Judges, for example, where they do intermarry. It's vindicated in the story of Solomon where Solomon marries... Uh, these women and they lead him into idolatry. I mean, in many ways throughout the rest of Scripture, this, the command the, in the law of Moses to not intermarry is vindicated in a number of ways. Yeah. But it's anticipated here in this yeah. story already. So Abraham, uh, you know, in a sense, this predates Moses, don't marry the people in the land, um, go and marry among our own people. Yeah. And um, and so this this idea of being what we would call being equally yoked, yes. Yeah. And you know, th- there's there's a there's a kind of enduring validity to this idea. I think um, uh, we rightly still talk about being equally yoked. That uh, you know, 
as Christians, we would encourage Christians to marry those that can share their faith uh, because, um, you know, faith is the most important. It's a central thing in life. Yeah. Um, and uh, and where, where we can make this choice, we should put that first. Yes. You know, and uh, because it, that that's at the deepest level what's going to, you know, it's like a marriage is a partnership in serving God's purpose, and yes. so both being committed to God's purpose is important. Now, of course, we keep in mind also, and, and I'm getting into the application uh, of this, but this is important, I think, yeah. uh, at this stage, um, is that you know the New Testament acknowledges that in most cases in the early church, one was a Christian and the other was not. You know, and Paul speaks a lot to that uh, circumstance and is very redemptive of that, and and you know. But you do, have, but there is this idea behind this story. Yes, <clears throat> that is a an idea that carries Old and New Testament right through. This idea of being equally yoked, yeah, uh, uh, sh- again, sharing this allegiance to the covenant God. Yes, uh, and this is why this is given so much space here. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting. You know, this is the principle behind it. Uh, we, you know, though though we know that. Uh, as far as we know, that Rebecca and the family back in the land that Abraham had come from didn't know, you know, this God, or you know, as, as far as we know. But yeah. I love the fact that we see in in the you know Abraham's right hand man. I'm just going to keep on saying Eliezer because that's what I think in my head. Yeah, it just says servant. It just so, says yeah. servant. It, it tra- so we're not totally tra- sure. But old you tradition. Stick with your- yeah, yeah, old sure. tradition says Eliezer. I like the sure. fact that let's it, that call it's him Eliezer. Yeah. Uh, so Eliezer, you know, comes and he prays. You know, so yeah. so Abraham's faith, this faith in the God, yeah. is has affected it's Abraham. Affected everyone in his household, even his servants, yeah. even even his servants. So his right hand man is like, okay, Lord God of my master Abraham, this is what he sent me to do. Give me success. I'm going to set something up here. If I do this, you do that. Da, da, da. And as he's praying, he looks up, and there's this gorgeous Rebecca coming coming along with everything. He's praying. He's like, "Oh, he knows yeah. that it's, it's well." Right it's on. even before he finishes praying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, God answers. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's beautiful, and and so you get this wonderful sense of provision here. Yeah, and so he starts asking questions. He does a little bit of his homework. He's asking about the family line and everything like that. And uh, then, and, and then she, you know, he's giving her, you know, uh, gold. He's giving her, you know, the different things that he's got. And then, you know, she says, "Oh, you know, we've got plenty of room. You know, everything's yeah. going to be okay." And he says, "Okay, great." And he just bows down and starts worshiping God yeah. in front of her. And she's like, "Okay, I've got to run." <laughs> Bye. Yeah. And she races home and tells the family. And then we get, uh, you know, we get her brother coming along once he sees the gold and he sees the nose rings yeah. and all the jewelry and everything like that. You know, he comes. Yeah. He comes, you know, uh, uh, Laban comes racing in and say, come and stay with us. You know, yeah. you've got all this gold. Mm. Tell us more. And mm. uh, it's a beautiful story. It's a, it's a really, yeah. really. And it's important because this family is, you know, it's this family that has received this promise. And, um, uh, and, and so God is providing here in a way that, as I said, preempts what he wants for his people Later on, it's like God is saying here, if you set your heart on what is right, I will provide for you. And um, we have this wonderful act of provision. It's interesting that the, the servant repeats the whole story. It's like you get yeah. the story twice. Yeah, yeah, you get the story so twice. in a lot of detail. Yeah. And, and that is not an accident. You know, uh, the, the scripture never wastes words. Yeah. So the re- repetition of that story of how he prayed and then how God provided is actually underscoring something. Yeah. And it's this idea, you do the right thing and God will honor that and be your provider. Yeah, yeah. So we get this beautiful picture to wrap it up there. Uh, finally, uh, Eliezer, the servant, is like, listen, i got to go. Like, I yeah. found her. God has been successful. Let me take her and go. And they're like, whoa, 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 you just got here. And they're, I think they're being culturally polite. They're, they're yeah. saying, listen, God has provided. And they and they reference, you know, Lord God as well. You yeah. know, they, they say, look, Lord God has provided this. We're happy for this to happen. But we want to keep her here and we want to do our traditions and everything like that. But they say, well, let, let us, and this is a great... Um, you know, for some some people who have trouble with, hang on, is she being sold off as a woman and yeah. women's rights and feminism and da da da? They say, Rebecca, 
what do you want to do? Like, yeah. We're leaving it up to yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you want to stay with us? Go. And she says, no, no, let me go. Yeah. I'm ready to go. That's right. Yeah. And she goes. And, and of course, and then along the way she sees, it's a wonderful scene where she sees yeah. Isaac in the fields and, and you, it's just like Hollywood movie scene right there. And, uh, and, and they're married. And, and so you get, you know, you get this, uh, the sort of holy family, uh, yeah. as it were, uh, that is established here and, uh, and that sets us up for, for the future. Yeah. So it's interesting when it comes to Isaac, we don't, there's a lot in these stories about Abraham and there's a lot about Jacob. Yes. We don't, there's not a lot no. uh, we hear about Isaac. Yeah. He's a fairly transitional Certainly, uh, certainly, what we do see is that the promise is reconfirmed to Isaac. We see the we'll promise. We'll see that in a moment. We'll see uh, that in a moment. We we see, and again, this is something that I I, I think your beloved Kierkegaard would have much to say on it. Yeah. Um, we see him having faith in his father. Yeah. Being almost sacrificed by his dad. Yeah. And then being very silent, being very close yeah. to it. It's, it's, there's an illusion there that he was close to his mother, that his, his yeah. mother's yeah. death yeah. Was, was, was very heartbreaking yeah. to him. Yeah. And obviously very close to, you know, Sarah's only, only child there. Yeah. Um, and we see him loving Rebecca, falling yeah. and, and, and that. But yes, there's not a lot of poems or songs from Isaac. He's a very quiet character. Yeah, he is a quiet character in this. Um, but that, that that's not let, there's, let's not make an argument from no. silence. Really, it, no. it's just. I mean, I mean, the interesting thing is the reason why Jacob. There's a lot of mention of him is because he's such a rotten sort yeah. of character, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, uh, so it's possibly no news is good news here, and that's the way we uh, take it. And, yeah. and certainly, um, as I said, the uh, the overwhelming idea here is this idea that God provides. For for Isaac, who has this very happy marriage, uh, it says that he loved her and that he was comforted. And so that's important. That's not a, you know, uh, because remember, uh, marriages were all arranged in the ancient world. So yeah. the fact that it says that he loved her yeah. means that, well, this is arranged by God and, and they actually, it was perfectly yeah. put together. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he receives this wonderful provision here as well as the promise being reconfirmed, as we'll see a little later. So let's move into chapter mm. 25. We finally get the death of Abraham. Now, this mm. is the end of our patriarch here, the end of our father of our faith. But before he goes uh, he goes on to his great reward at the age of 175 years, we find out that after Sarah died, he took another wife. Yeah. He took uh, Keturah. Yeah, Keturah. Yeah. Keturah. They had another six sons. Yeah. Uh, six sons after Isaac there. So these are all Isaac's half-brothers out here. Six sons, Zimran, jo- Jokshan, da, da, all these different people. We're given Gee, a little... He was doing well Abraham, at, you know... 120-something, yeah, yeah. 130, 140, 150 years old. He was a he was a healthy healthy old fella, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, I mean, he, he, he according to the text, he lives 175 years. Yeah. So he he's really doing well. Not only that, in verse in verse seven and eight, and nine, and there it says, uh, Abraham lived for 175 years, and he died at a ripe old age, having lived a long yeah. and satisfying. Yeah. No, no <laughs> kidding. It's hard. I, again, I mean, one of the things that, like the like, and with, when we talked about earlier in Genesis, you know, these massively long life spans, it's like. That's yeah. the thing I don't get. I, I, that, that's, it's like that's probably the one question when I get to heaven I'm going to ask. It's like, what's with that long? Lifespans. And, and then, then it's just, oh, well, it just was what it was or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. So we get, we, get, we, get the death of, uh, we get the death of Abraham here. We get a little bit of his, um, uh, you know, his, his passing on, off the blessing to Isaac. We get a bit of his descendants. And then we move into an account of the family of Ishmael. As well, uh, the son of Abraham through Hagar, uh, the Egyptian servant. We get a list of, uh, you know, Ishmael lived for 137 years. Mm. Uh, he joined his ancestors in death. Ishmael's descendants occupied the region of, you know, blah, 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 east of Egypt, etc., etc. And they lived in open hostility mm. toward all their relatives. And again, that's interesting because Ishmael is born because of Abraham and Sarah's attempt. Yes, to make things happen in a human way. Yeah. 
And when you try to make things happen in a human way, what ensues is not peace, but conflict. Even though it's it's sort of, we we get the feeling from this, uh, and again, it depends on people's traditions. I know we're not really told exactly. The only thing we know that when Ishmael died, you know, we we get a picture that both Hagar and Ishmael believed and and received you know from God and were blessed oh, by God totally it's i mean that's very what's very clear in the text yeah. is that because of his promise to Abraham God totally blesses yeah. uh Ishmael but that's got nothing to do with Ishmael yes. as a yeah. character as yeah. we're going to see with Jacob yes. it's got nothing to do with Ishmael as a character yeah. it's got to do with God's promise to Abraham yeah, yeah, for yeah. Abraham's sake so yeah. um but what we do see and and I think this is significant is that he he, he lives in in hostility towards those uh, around him. And so, you know, it begins with this conflicted thing of them trying to make things happen in a human way. And it sort of ends in this in this confl- in this state uh, uh, of conflict. And I think again, you know, the the message here is between doing things God way and doing Things the human way and doing things God's way leads to this state of peace, or in Hebrew, shalom. Yes, is, is the great goal here to live in peace. You know, yes. uh, but what we see with Ishmael is that he's living in hostility, so it's not a state of peace. Okay, so my question to you, Matt, is: is when I read it this time, I noticed again because we're reading through Genesis, I'm noticing patterns, yeah. I'm noticing phrases, I'm noticing words. When when the writer of uh, Genesis describes the death of Abraham, it says he breathed his last and he joined his ancestors in death. Mm. Now I don't know if that's just a cultural phrase. I don't know if there's a spiritual significance of that. But the exact same phrase is used of Ishmael in verse 17. Then Ishmael, at 137, breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. Are, are we? Is, is there a spiritual significance to that? And I know I'm just throwing, throwing this on the fly. Are we, because I read that and I sort of went, man, maybe Ishmael, even though, you know, they left and he was, you know, he was blessed and they had that relationship with God, did he continue to believe in in the in the God of his father? Was he raised long enough with Abraham to believe in this God of his father? Mm. Even though they went down into Egypt, they 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 mm. they married and 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 settled in there. Is there any any thought? Is there any written any tradition? Any thoughts around that? Well, there's tradition around it because, of course, uh, Muslims would say that yes, he did, and and uh, and so uh, because they claim their Lineage, lineage to, to yeah. uh, through to Abraham through uh, Ishmael. Look, it doesn't, we, which, it doesn't we, really say, but I think it's reasonable to think that he did. I mean, the fact that he lives in in even in conflict, um, uh, as I've said, is more connected uh, with the co- sort of conflicted yes. situation in the past. But it's not. Th- there's no lack of blessing here still no, upon no. him, and and I think there's no reason to think that he would not recognise. That this is actually given to him from God. Yeah, I think I don't think we can say much more than that really no. uh, about this. But uh, I, I think we could um, we could surmise that he probably did. Yeah. Now back to the phrase that you talked about being, and, and in the NIV it says they were gathered to their fathers. Yes. There's there's no sort of consciousness at this stage of some people going to heaven and some people going to hell. I mean, everyone. And you get this in Ecclesiastes. Well, everyone just goes to Sheol. Yes. They, it's referred to as Sheol, which the land is of the, the dead. The land of the dead. And, and there's no, there's no real sense of that of of, of separation there. Um, blessing and curse is something that you experience in this life. Um, but what happens as time goes on, with what we would say, what we would call progressive revelation, and certainly in the New Testament you get this opening up of more detail around this. Yeah. So you don't want to read too much in at this stage. Mm-hmm. People just die. There's, there's not, there's not really uh, any consciousness of an afterlife yeah. per se. <clears throat> the, even the hope of resurrection just emerges later. It's sort of drip fed and it sort of emerges from revelation later on. Yes as does the idea of distinctive states uh, beyond death. Yes. But at this stage, there's no consciousness. So the, there's no 
sort of sense of that. I mean, so God knows that. But yes. The so the phrase, yeah. the phrase here, depending on the translation that you're reading, is basically just a, a poetic way to say he went the way that everybody else yeah, has yeah, gone. That's right. He's died. Yeah, yeah, He's that's died. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we we leave it there. I wonder again. This is me. We're going to go on a rabbit, one little tiny rabbit hole before before we have our little break here. Uh, I I, uh, <laughs> I love your rabbit holes. Well, I, I got to thinking. I got to thinking. Sarah sent Ishmael away, and you know, Ishmael was probably an older teen. He could have been eighteen. It could have been something like that. When Isaac was was coming of age, and he was sent mm. away with 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 his mother. And uh, you know God had you know blessed them, and God you know made him succeed, and and he lived a you know victorious life, and obviously did really really well. I wonder if there was any way they kept in contact with each other, with Abraham and and Ishmael kept in contact with each other, because because Abraham went on to live, you know, a good you know forty or plus years, yeah, without Sarah there, and I wonder if the news of Sarah's death comes down to Ishmael. And he says, well, now I can go back and visit my father or anything like that. Well, he does. Uh, he, he actually, he, he does because it's set, at least at some point, because when Abraham dies yeah. in verse 25, verse 9, it says his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. I mean, I know it doesn't say more than that. I know, but I wonder if he went back before, mm. you know, like I know that he was yeah. there at the end and, and it fascinates me that I imagine that scene of Isaac and Ishmael, these two brothers from, from you know, these two, you know, you know, the the, yeah. the man made chosen one, coming together. The better. I wonder about those relations. I wonder about the human dynamics. And I wonder mm. if Ishmael had gotten there beforehand at all, and and, and seen his father at, at the end. Yeah. Look, look. I, I think the fact. I think the fact that this is mentioned yeah. again, nothing's accidental in the text. So why is it mentioned here that his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him? Yeah. Um. Uh. So. So Ishmael comes, there's still this connection. I think this is the point here. Okay. He still has this connection with, with Abraham. It's yeah. not lost. Yes. And he's there to honor him. Yeah. Um, and and I, think, um, I think it may well be that there is this positive connection yeah. that's established yeah. before that. And, and I, you know, I think it may be um, sort of alluded to here yeah. in this, that he's not, Ishmael's not cut off from the family. Um, but there's still this, as I said, there's still this connection. I love it. I love it. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back as we move into two new characters that we're going to meet in the book of Genesis. Ah. (laughs) We've been waiting to meet these two. Let's take a break now on Thrive Deeper. G'day Thrive Deeper family, it's DJ here and we just want to say Merry Christmas to you and yours over this time. We're releasing this episode in the week of Christmas 2019 and uh, we want to thank you so much for all the well wishes and kindness that we've received from you over this year. We'd love you to head over to thrivetoday.net.au, stay in contact with us there and personally, I'd love you to connect with me on social media. If you want to do me a favor this year, if you've appreciated the podcast, you wanted to do something for me, little old DJ Payne, connect with me on social media, whether that's on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, whatever it is, if there's social media, I'm there as DJ P-A-I-N-E. That's Payne with an E on the end. DJ Payne, you can find me across all the social media. Connect, say hello. I'd love to have a chat with you. In the meantime, head over to thrivetoday.net.au. All right, let's get back into it. Find out what's happening next after the death of Abraham and who is on the horizon that God is going to use next in his promises. Thrive Deeper, 
DJ here with you and with me, of course, is Matt Jacoby. We are in high gear as we are cruising through the, the book of Genesis, through the chapters there. We have just buried our patriarch, our father of the faith, Abraham there. And we now are introduced to Isaac and Rebecca's mm. two sons, the mm. birth of Esau and Jacob. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting relationship. Uh, you know, I mean, Jacob uh, is, of course, the the father of the nation. Uh, he's going to rename, be named, renamed Israel. Yes. Uh, later in the story. Huge. And and it's it's his twelve sons that become the twelve tribes. So Jacob is an important character in yeah. in the Genesis story yeah. as the father of the nation. Uh, so a lot of how he's characterized in his journey is going to be enormously significant because in a sense he embodies the nation. There's a lot of things about Jacob actually that is quite uh, – that sort of preempts perhaps the character of, of the nation. I mean that's mm. – we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But Esau also is interesting because he's the, um, he's the progenitor of the – Edomites, from him is going to come the Edomites. And the Edomites are going to be the sort of traditional foes of Israel later on, um, are going to be sort of the arch enemies of God's uh, people, uh, of the Israelites. Uh, You know, Psalm 137, you know, remember, Lord, what Edom did on the day Jerusalem fell. It actually calls down curses upon uh, Edom. And, um, And, of course, Malachi, we have that those famous... Terribly difficult verses that are quoted then in Romans chapter 9. Jacob I've loved, Esau I've hated. Um, uh, and there actually in Malachi, it's actually talking about uh, the the nations. It's basically saying one is under a curse and one is under a blessing. Mm. Um, but you, this comes back, this conflict between these two already we see here. Now we're going to see actually, uh, and, and I, this, I know this is jumping ahead, but Esau is still a child of Abraham. He's still part of this life. And, he, and we're going to see him enormously blessed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so uh, Esau isn't cursed anywhere in this story, yes. uh, despite uh, what may be assumed from later characterizations. Yeah. Esau yeah. is enormously blessed in this story. And, and, and actually, it's interesting to see how he's blessed. I mean, Wanting to jump ahead here, That's, we're going to well, get into that in the next episode. Let's let's let, yeah. let's let's cover the cover the birth here because there's something really important here as far as patterns go, yeah. and as far as God goes and what He's telling us in Genesis. We find out that a Rebecca is barren. This one that yeah. God God provided for Isaac, the son of promise. Yeah. She's barren. She can't have a yeah. child. And again and again, you have these obstacles, natural obstacles, yes. and and there's this sense that. These stories are showing us again and again that despite every obstacle, God's promise is going to be fulfilled. Yeah. I mean, uh, again and again, we have, the, I mean, the story of Joseph is what greater obstacles could there be to someone being sold into slavery and being thrown into prison? And But through all of that, God's promise still gets fulfilled. So, so there's this kind of supernatural overcoming of these natural barriers. And and we, we, get, uh, we get Isaac... Walking in the faith of his father, <clears throat> pleading on behalf of his wife yeah. to God, God answering yeah. Isaac's prayer, and Rebecca becoming pregnant with twins. But the twins were struggling so much in a womb yeah. that Rebecca goes to God and yeah. says, "God, help me! What is happening yeah. to me?" And and the God and God gives Rebecca and Isaac a, a, a prophecy. That the sons in your womb will become two nations from the very beginning. Two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve the younger son. Yeah, and it's interesting. She's Whoa. experiencing this in her body. She's experiencing this conflict within yeah. her, isn't it? Isn't she? And 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 so she, that's where she goes to the Lord, and and He confirms this. So it's a, it really interesting. You see that so much of this text. This is so characteristic of Genesis. Yeah. Um. In interpreting these stories, I mean, one of the questions to ask is, how does this fulfill what God said? Because everything in the Bible is a sequence of, and God said, and it's so. But in, in a number of ways, you have stories, particularly in Genesis, that preempt what's going to happen. So, for example, in Genesis 12, there's a famine. Abraham goes down into Egypt. Egypt. His wife gets taken. Yeah. And that preempts the 
Israelites going to Egypt during the famine, the time of Joseph, and eventually being enslaved. All of these stories preempt things. You know, I've talked about the the buying of the field preempts something. The marriage uh, that of, of Isaac and Rebekah that preempts things. Yeah. So. Here you have, again, something being preempted, something being warned uh, ahead of time. Yeah. And it's already in happening in her body. That's amazing. Time. And so the twins are born. Isaac is 60. Uh, Esau is, is, is born first, yeah. covered in thick hair, being yeah. very ruddy and red. Yeah. You know, this little wild man is born. Yeah. And then grasping onto his heel comes yeah. the slippery, smooth Jacob <laughs> born afterwards. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we then immediately fast forward and, and watch them grow up. Esau is a skillful hunter. He's an outdoors man. He's the rugged, wild man. And Jacob was quiet, staying at home. Isaac fell in love with his firstborn, Esau, because Esau, you know, loved his yeah. dad, was an outdoor man as well. And Rebecca loved Jacob. Oh, yeah, and parenting, of course, parenting books have been yeah. written about this verse. One verse. Yeah, let's not let's not copy them in this one. Uh, but of course, I mean, Esau is the older. Yeah. So, uh, in, in you know, again, in this culture, as has been the case really until recent times, you know, the eldest child is the inherits the has this birthright. Uh, that's kind of the cultural given at the time. Eldest son. Yes. Has the birthright. Yeah. Okay. Now that's going to be important for the story. First born son. First born but son. I think it's worth just um, noting Jacob's name because uh, he's grasping the heel. So he's he's referred to as Jacob, which means he grasped the heel. But this is grasping the heel is actually a Hebrew idiom, which basically means deceiver. Wow. So Jacob actually is called the deceiver. Wow. Now, who else can you think of? What other <laughs> one other character in the Bible is referred to as the deceiver? Yeah. And that's Satan. Wow. So this is really interesting. So and this is important too because Jacob's name is going to be changed later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to be a dece- he, he's going to be characterized and even in the stories that are shared about him, he has this characterization that is very much in line, in in alignment with Satan himself, mm. and yet he's a child of the promise. So there's this tension in the story, and it's an important tension mm. um, because that's going to change. Uh, he's going to go from being characterized this way to being one who wrestles or takes hold of God, and the transition from the one identity to the other is going to be because of this story that we're going to get to and we'll discuss yeah. of Jacob taking hold of God. So, um, uh, which is itself this picture of faith. So it's just interesting here the way that Jacob is is named. And a lot of people's struggles around this story is the fact that Jacob keeps getting the blessing. God keeps blessing Jacob, mm. but Jacob's a bad guy. Mm. I remember reading this uh, to my daughter Ivy, yeah, and she just could not get her head around this story. Yeah, why is God blessing Jacob? Because he's bad. Yeah. God shouldn't bless bad people. That's it. And I said, "Well, Dal, that's I'm, exactly what this story you got is it, about. Ivy. You yeah. got it, what I You've want. actually got it. Yeah. Is that God is blessing a bad yeah. person yeah. because the nature of the covenant is it's not earned or warranted by people. Yeah." It's it's this is about God's faithfulness, actually often despite uh, the either lack of faith or or the um, stumblings of, of people and the character in this case the character of people. So um, that actually is the point, yeah, yeah exactly. and it's a good got- point. And and I you know I said to her, well, uh, but isn't that good? Because even when we do the wrong thing, and yeah. we can know that God doesn't stop blessing us, that God is. You know, God's gracious, and I, yeah. I love these stories uh, because of that very reason. Well, we get introdu- introduced to a little bit of their temperaments and their per- personalities. Yeah. We get red 
hairy Esau as a young man coming in. The two brothers have a tent together or something. Yeah. Jacob being the indoor guy yeah. is a great cook. He's cooking up some stew. It's fantastic, a red stew. Esau's been out hunting for days. He comes home and he's like, brother, I am starving. Give me some of that yeah. red stew. And Jacob, not missing a beat, says, all right, no worries. Just trade me your rights as a firstborn son. And I've got some stew right here ready to go. And he's like, well, hang on, I'm dying of starvation. What good is my birthright to me now? Yeah. And he goes, and then Jacob seizes on it and says, right, okay, you will swear right now yeah. to me as your brother that I will take your firstborn role. Yeah. You know, I get the rights as a firstborn. That's right. And that's that's the significance of it. Yeah. It, it, when he... And, when he's talking about the birthright, he's talking about that position yes. to inherit basically yep. everything uh, and to be to take that firstborn place. Now, why does the question over this story is why does Esau do this? Well, the writer explains it in the very last line yeah. of that yeah. that Esau despises his birthright. He, he's not doesn't care. Yeah, he, he really. Well, I mean, he he does care in a sense that he becomes very angry later. Yeah. But the the narrator here is, uh, you know, is telling us something as well about, um, I, I guess, uh, there's this sense that, you know, Jacob gets something and I know he gets it in the wrong way, but Esau loses it because he doesn't really value it. You know, but so, the, uh, for me, this is a help. T- yeah. tell me if I'm wrong, Matt. The, the, I've always read this in the point that at some point their father Isaac and and mother Rebecca had had told them the story. Yeah, I had told them the story, and they would have had. You know, there is an overlap there with Abraham, their yeah. grandfather. You know, type of thing. You know, I think if I do the maths properly, yeah. there's some sort of overlap there. They're surrounded by this story. Yeah, yeah. That the that, that there is a blessing coming. Yeah. You know, and Jacob, right from the very beginning, is like, I'm born second, you know, type of thing. Whereas Esau is like, who cares about any of that stuff? I don't care. Yeah, whatever. I'm an outdoors man. Hooray. Like this different type of personality. And I've always taken it as Jacob cared about these stories and these yeah. and these ideas and roles yeah. for a personal gain. Yeah. Let's be clear: yeah. Yeah. for a deep personal gain, for the wrong reason, but also for the wrong reason, Esau despised it. it yeah, was that's like, right. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So neither of them. I mean, I, I mean, in, in a sense, Jacob's eagerness to lay hold of this, yes. in one sense, is commendable, even though it's for the wrong reasons and it's in the wrong way. Yeah. But part of the the whole part of you know. Um, the whole point of this is that God's not going to give something to us that we don't want or that we will despise. I mean, it's like this is a gift. This blessing is a gift to us, but it needs to be valued as well. And so we see here Jacob going after this. Yes, in, in for the wrong reasons in the wrong way, but Esau just has no uh, has no scribes no valuable a value to this. So. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's true. I think there's something in that. Yeah, yeah. For okay. later. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 jump into the next chapter, chapter twenty six. We're we're moving and grooving here. Isaac, and we've got another old friend coming back. Our good friend Abimelech, the Philistine. Mm. Um, a severe famine strikes the land. Uh, as and and again, we're told right at the beginning. We're meant to be thinking in this way. Yeah. Has happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved right next to Abimelech, there, the king of the Philistines. God tells Isaac, "Do not go down to Egypt. Stay here, and I, as I promised mm. your father, you'll be fine." And so Isaac stayed in, and I don't know how to pronounce the Philistine land, Gira, Gira, yeah, Gira, that's Gira. Um, and when the men who live there asked about Isaac. Asked about Rebecca. Rebecca is yep. so gorgeous. What does he do? He lies. It's the She's, same thing. Like father, you know, like like father, like she son. She is my it's, sister. Yeah. Uh, he was afraid to say she is my wife. Yeah. But then Abimelech, and again, this is crazy, crazy of of uh, of uh, Isaac here. Yeah. They're obviously <laughs> right next door to yeah. uh, to Abimelech here, and Abimelech is honouring his promise to Abraham's son. You know, yeah, yeah, bringing right, them in yeah. and looking after them. And uh, Abimelech is looking out and sees Isaac caressing Rebecca. They're having a romantic time there. And Abimelech's like, calls for Isaac and says, she is obviously a wife. <laughs> and of course, look, I mean, the other thing we're not quite sure about, this 
this may not be the original Abimelech. Yes. Maybe his yeah. because of you know they were often named after their father. Uh, but the point is, is that he, he. I'm sure he would have heard that story. Yes. Uh, and uh, so, you know, he, he's there's panic stations. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and he he castigates Isaac for deceiving him. Like this Again. could have you could have it could have led to disaster. Now, fortunately, this time it doesn't. No. Um, but uh, eventually, and the, the, one of the points of this is is that, and I should note first how. You know, repeatedly through this story, God reconfirms the promise. Okay? Yes. So, uh, I just want to point this out in verse four. It says, "I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. I will give them all of these lands, and through your offspring, all the nations on the earth will be blessed." So the promise it's is the reiterated yeah. again. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing is, he goes into this. He goes into this area, and instead of bringing a blessing, he almost brings the, the curse again. Yeah. So the thing is. These guys are going to have to get better at trusting God because if they don't trust God, they bring a curse rather than a blessing. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so you know, he's being censured by um, Abimelech, I think rightly so, uh, because he shouldn't have lied. He should have had a, you know, anyway. Uh, so you get this reiteration of the promise here. Now, it's interesting in where the promise is reiterated. It says... This will happen because Abraham obeyed me, yeah, and did, uh, and and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. Again, initially, promises unconditional, but Abraham steps into it through his obedience. Doesn't earn it, but steps into it. And so, see, if if Abraham didn't step into it, then sure he would have been blessed, but his children would not have been. Yeah, you know, because effectively he he would have, he would have. Um, uh, um, it's kind of forfeited it, not for himself, but for his, his, his children. children. It's like, you know, it's like I don't have to obey God to be receive God's favor and, and to be blessed. But if I want my children to be blessed, I've got to, I've got to walk with God so that the promise gets passed Pass on. on. That's a great point. And, 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 and so, again, Isaac's able to receive this promise yeah. because Abraham actually did the right thing. So for the promise to actually be passed on to the next generation, the generation before has got to really honor that and embody that and go with that. Anyway, that's that, that's uh, an important point there. And we, and we get a fulfillment of that straight away in this chapter in verse 12. Uh, Isaac is 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 being a faithful farmer. He's keeping you know his herds yeah. and everything. God blesses him. His wealth continues to grow. He acquires that's more right. shit. And we're he meant acquires... to note that. Yeah. We're meant to note that God's blessing him. The yeah. Philistines around him, Abimelech and the Philistines around him are going, oh boy, this, these... These uh, yeah. these uh, Isaac troopers, uh, you know, the sons of Abraham here, they they are going yeah. to town. They are they're actually more powerful than us as yeah. as, a, as a people. So Abimelech finally comes to Isaac and says, "Please, you're going to have to leave. I know we've met at, at a pact here, but you're too powerful for us. Please leave." They they wheel and deal. There's some water rights they've got to work out and everything like that. And then finally, uh, Abimelech comes back to Isaac. We see this in in, in 26. His army commander. Isaac straight away is 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 a bit offended. You know, look, you've already kicked me off the land. What's wrong now? Yeah. And Abimelech echoes whether it's the same Abimelech or another Abimelech says echoes the same thing. We see that the Lord is with you, and mm-hmm. we want a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Let's make a promise right now that we will keep our space and we will keep our peace to each other. Yeah, it's interesting this story. How again? And I know I go on about this, but how it preempts things. So first of all. You know, in verse 16, Abimelech says, move away from us, you become too powerful. So there's this idea that God's going to bless his people so much that it's that they can't share that space with these people. It, they're going to have to have their own space because the blessing is going to expand. Yeah. And if they if they do stay with the people, and that's where from verse 17 you get this all of this conflict, think, why is all of that? Like, why are we... Yeah. Why is it going into all of that? Did all of these quarrels between... Farmers yeah, yeah between the, the Philistines yeah, yeah. and the Israelites. Well, it's because from the conquest on, there's going to be all of this conflict between the Philistines and the Israelites. Why? Because uh, because they allowed them to remain there. The, the, and, and so there are these little kind of indications, you know, this idea that God's going to give you this land so that you can, so that he's going to bless you abundantly. It's yeah. like 
you know, you need space for this and it also kind of anticipates the conflict that's going to happen. But, you know, again, we have this God appears to Abraham, says, don't be afraid, I'm with you, I'm going to bless you in the light of all of this conflict that's happening. uh, I'm going to... uh, Bless your descendants, and Isaac builds an altar, and he calls on the name of the Lord. This is Isaac, basically stepping into this, In this expressing his faith. Exactly. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm with this. And then we, plan. at the very end of this chapter, the very end of of twenty six, we get the opposite. We get the opposite. The last couple of verses here, we have Isaac. We've seen the pattern that Abraham had set. We've seen the way of the godly family and Esau in another way of like throwing it up in the family's face at the age of 40, takes two Hittite, Hittite wives, uh, Judith and uh, Basemath. And it, I love the final verse, but Esau's wives made life miserable for yeah. Isaac and Rebekah. Yeah. And, it, and it, yet again, because the, the pattern had been, you go back to the your, foref- your land of your forefathers, you marry in, you know, equally yeah. yoked, but Esau, nope. Not interested in that. I'm going to take wives of the local area. Yeah. And in fact, I'm going to, not going to take one. I'm going to take two. And I'm going to make your life and again, miserable. it's preemptive. Uh, like I said, it's because this becomes such a big issue yeah. later on. So again, it's mentioned because of its preemptive yeah. force. Now, yeah. let's let's finish today's episode in chapter 27, yep. uh, which is a, uh, a huge chapter that really casts a lot of light mm. on, uh, you know, it really sets... If, 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 if the movie of Jacob and Esau, uh, we've seen the preamble, we've seen the introduction, this is the first point of action here. This is mm. a massive point of action. Isaac is old, he's blind, he's, he's, he's getting on. And he asked Esau, uh, you know, to make that stew that he likes. Go do, you know, go do the thing. Make me some, uh, you know, food that I like. Get the game and do that. Like the, you know, my favorite yeah, son, yeah. my, my, you know, you know, my firstborn son. Go do that. Rebecca, overhearing it, slips in and gets Jacob to tell a lie, trick his father into receiving the blessing. Yeah. And, and so, so and the, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Well, the blessing is not just, oh, bless you, my son. Yeah. This is actually a formal conference of the right of the firstborn. Yeah. So the, the meal is going to be that he's going to prepare is going to be the context for Jacob to formally confer the, the birthright of the firstborn. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Rebecca's and um, Jacob's plan is to intercept this because, you know, and Jacob feels that he's in the rights to do this because Esau has sold this to me. Yeah. So it's actually rightfully mine. And again, we have the deceiver at work, don't we? Oh. He's he's dressing up as his brother, smelling the same, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wrapping hairy stuff around him. His mother is Rebecca's. His, his father's blind, so he's going to take advantage of this. And, and Rebecca, in favoritism for her for for Jacob, she loves Jacob. That's her favorite son. She's got a favorite there. Yeah. She and again at this point, Esau's making her life a misery. Yeah. He's got these two Hittite wives that's causing trouble for us. Yeah. I want you to have the blessing, my son. Uh, you know, so let's yeah. let's jump at it while he's away. We're going to do everything we can yeah. to trick your dying dad. It's a strange story, oh. uh, isn't it? Uh, and so they do this, and um, uh, and he, you know, he dresses up, makes this meal, and he gets this blessing. Um, he gets the blessing of the uh, of the firstborn, and uh, and then I, and then sorry, Esau comes back and realizes that this has happened, oh. and the father says, you know, he says, um, you know, bless me too, but he's said I've got nothing else to give you. I've just conferred the rights of the firstborn because. Uh, Again, I remember reading this the first time. I thought, why can't he bless both his sons? Because I'm thinking of blessing just yeah. in terms of well done, well wishing. Yeah, yeah like uh, may it go well with you or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. why can't he say that? Why can't you say that twice? Again, because that's not what this is talking about. This is the conference of the blessing of the firstborn. Uh, so this is a very formal thing, and because he's already given that to Jacob, he can't then give that to Esau, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, he simply says to um 
And it's a heartbreaking picture of Esau. I mean, we love yep. to we love to portray Esau as a bit of a bit of a you know <clears throat> the wild man clown, but there's obviously a deep affection between him and his father. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and when his father says, "I've got nothing left for you," you see him break down and bitterly weep. Yeah. But he's he's also sworn this to his brother. Remember, yeah. he's sworn on oath yeah. to give this to his brother. Yeah. So he's he actually wasn't going to stick to the deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's going to go out, get it, and get the. You know, so, yeah. you know, and uh, even he, even he's and he's dug all, his own grave, and Esau yeah. makes a point of it. He says he's done this to me twice. Yeah, you know, he has stolen this off yeah, me that's twice. That's right. Yeah, you know. Uh, so he gets the leftovers, um, which is your dwelling will be away from earth's riches, away from the dew of heaven. He's going to live in the desert. In other words, you will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, uh, you will throw off his yoke off your neck. Anyway. What, not, what we do, we not do much, yeah, not much no, of a blessing, right. but we do. We actually do see, um, and it's really interesting to see how Esau he, he actually does get more than this. Yes, and it's interesting to note how he gets more than this later on in the story because he's going to pursue his brother. Yes, he's going to go after his brother to kill him. Now, yeah. what does the covenant say? Those who curse you, I will curse. Yeah. But then at one point. He's gonna. That's gonna be changed around. We'll see how it does. And he's yeah. gonna bless his brother. And as a result, he actually gets blessed by his brother because the covenant also says, "Those who bless you, I will bless." Yeah. So in a roundabout way, it's kind of it's a happy ending for Esau. Mm. Uh, I know Amazing. that might sound confusing to our listeners, yes. but we'll get back to that. Yeah. In, in in a and but it's a wonderful thing about that story is that Esau, even though he doesn't get this blessing, he still gets blessed through. Uh, Jacob's and uh, you know it's in a sense this brings us back to this mediatorial role of being a mediator of blessing he actually gets blessed by blessing uh, Jacob who when he does that has become Israel yeah so that's a there's something really significant in all of that so we we finish up chapter 27 in the in the aftermath of Jacob and Rebecca's lies uh, and him him taking Esau is is brooding he's mourning his father and he says, uh, he said, well, he's about to. He's, he knows his father's close to death. I'll soon be mourning my father's death, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. He is ready. He's, this is what yeah, Esau yeah. is doing. Rebecca, who overhears everything in the household, says, right, uh, Jacob, get out of here. And she's got two reasons. I'm not going to lose you. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to lose you. This is what your brother's doing. I need you to go to my brother in the land of our, you know, the forefathers there. Find, uh, and then the other, sec- the other reason which he ties in at the end is, I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite <laughs> women. I would rather die than to see Jacob marry one of them. Yeah. So she's going to send him to her brother. He's going to he's going to make sure that he the, Esau cools off, and then she's going to bring him back and hopefully with a wife. Yeah. That's the plan. It's interesting in the story of Isaac. Rebecca is actually much more prominent. Yeah. In this story, yeah. in a sense, she's kind of the hero of the story, and I, and I know she conspires in this plot. Yes. Um, but she's actually, in a lot of senses, Rebecca's got this right. Mm. You know, she's not going to let him. Uh, she's not going to let him marry uh, the, the local woman. She's going to send him off. She's protecting him. Uh, yeah, she's a very prominent character. Yeah, and 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 I think in in a positive light. Yes. Uh, in, in this story, so he gets sent off. Uh, and again, it's preempting. Don't marry amongst these people. Mm-hmm. Marry um, among, you know, in the midst of your own clan. And so he goes off and he lives with his his brother Laban, and that sets us up for the next uh, for next the next, the of the next story. chapter of of because he's here. he's going to get his own back. Yeah, you know, if, if you know Laban's going to uh, give him a bit of a taste of his own medicine, hundred uh, percent. And that's kind of in a way that's very providential too. Exactly, uh, it's an interesting story to follow. Exactly. So we have uh, we we've said goodbye to Abraham, and again. Uh, the echoes of all of those promises, the covenant that we have read over and over again with Abraham that have been ratified again with Isaac over and over again. These are the foundations of the rest of the Bible. If we don't get these right in our mind of what God is doing and God's intention and the imperfection of the people that are getting these promises, I think we've sort of missed the point a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, that's the, enormous encouragement of these stories it reminds me that you know god through jesus christ uh has enabled me to inherit Mm. this blessing and the blessing it's not you know i need to step into this and and respond to this and walk in this so that 
it can be true for me and my children, but I don't need to earn this. It's not abrogated by my imperfections. Even for, from with my stumbling faith, does not does not take away from God's faith faithfulness. I mean, this is Paul's argument in Romans nine to eleven. Just because we are unfaithful, God remains faithful, and even when we go through periods of, uh, you know, where we turn back to get, there's always the opportunity to step back into this, what I've called it, the stream of God's faithfulness. So it's like there is this firm promise. It's like the stream of God's faithfulness is there. We don't earn it. We don't make it happen. All we need to do is step into it. And it's always, always, always available to us. What a great place to end up at the end of episode 81 in time for Christmas as we are standing firmly in the promises that God gave Abraham all those thousands of years ago. And here we are standing firmly in the same faithfulness that he was able to live his life in. It's a great place to be and it's a great place to spend time this Christmas together as a family. Now, we will not be taking a break. We're carrying on through. We'll be back with another episode in time for the end of the year and then straight into 2020 with an episode every Friday. That's our commitment to you for Thrive Deeper. Well, Like I said, have a fantastic Christmas. We're really praying that you will have a wonderful time with your family. Get a chance to take a rest and spend some time in God's word and go deeper in it so that you and your family can thrive. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you are reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's word and thrive.